Hey everybody, welcome to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Dwyer, joined in the studio by co-host of the podcast, Pastor Ross Anderson. Ross, what we're going to be doing throughout this podcast is, well, just what it sounds like. We're going to be unveiling Mormonism, and this podcast is going to be especially good for people who are investigating Mormonism. Christians maybe who have Mormons coming to their door, knocking on the door, wanting to go through the conversations with them, or even people who grew up in the Mormon tradition and are starting to question their faith, starting to ask things about Jesus and the Bible and the history of Mormonism and Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and all those things, because there are a lot of people these days, especially, it seems like there's a real movement of people sort of out of the Mormon church. And our goal, Ross, isn't to denigrate Mormonism. Our, 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 our hope here is that we're going to be gracious, but yet also faithful. We want to help people really to understand Mormonism. And I couldn't think of someone better to co-host this podcast because you came out of Mormonism. Right. I was born and raised in an LDS family, an active LDS family, until my college years. And so that's all we, we really knew. But I would also say along the, those lines, Brian, that I think this podcast will really be helpful for anybody, any Christian who's involved in a, any kind of faith conversation with their LDS neighbor, friend, um, you know, dentist or whatever, mm-hmm. um, to really understand more about what the LDS people are re- representing. Because, you know, the idea of unveiled is probably is reasonably um, accurate because um, LDS people use language, the same language that Christian use, Christians use, but it means different things. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of pull, peel back, you know, the layers of meaning, and, um, and a lot of people look at, the, at, at Mormons as just like kind of another form of Christianity, and just sort of like another denomination, like a Methodist or a Presbyterian or whatever, because they're great people and they have great values and so forth, but there's, a lot, there's layers and layers of the LDS worldview that are, that are not necessarily always obvious in the initial conversation, so we can peel back some of that and, and unveil some of those layers for the for the Christian person as well. Yeah. Now, if you want to find resource these resources, obviously you can find it on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Unveiling Mormonism. We encourage you to subscribe. We encourage you to like. We encourage you to share it. But you can also find resources to go along with this at two different websites. This is a Pursue God podcast. And so we have a, a general podcast out there, the Pursue God podcast, but we also have PursueGod.org, and that is a conversation starter library with topics on life and faith and everything in between to include Mormonism. So if you want to find all of these conversations and some discussion questions to go along with it so that you can disciple someone with these resources, with these conversations. You can find it at pursuegod.org forward slash Mormonism. But also, Ross, you run a website that is a sister site of pursuegod.org called faithaftermormonism.org. Yeah, faithaftermormonism.org. We have a lot of resources there, uh, primarily for people who are transitioning out of Mormonism, but we want to see them have whatever they need, the encouragement, the insight they need, in order to really make it into a new faith home in a relationship with Jesus and in, in, a, in a traditional biblical church. Right. So today, what we want to start with, we're going to start the first five topics that we want to cover in this podcast. So over the next five weeks, 
we're going to be talking about what Mormons believe. It's a series you can find at PursueGod.org, and we encourage you to check out that series. But we're going to be sort of taking a deep dive on these five things, what Mormons believe about God. That's what we're going to talk about today, what Mormons believe about Scripture. That'll be next week. Then we'll talk about what Mormons believe about humanity, what Mormons believe about salvation, and then finally we'll talk about what Mormons believe about eternity. Now, after we get past some of this basic stuff, we're going to be talking about the history of Mormonism. We're going to be getting into Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and some questions that people have out there about that. So there's going to be all kinds of fun topics on history and theology, but Ross, we thought it would be great to start with theology. Yeah, we'll start with the very most basic things and then go into more detail in future weeks. So let's get started today on what Mormons believe about God. Ross, why are we starting with what Mormons believe about God? Why not about what Mormons believe about eternity or about the Bible or Scripture or something like that? Yeah, great question. Uh, what we believe about God, I think, is probably the most important thing about us, because God is so foundational. Everything else in the worldview that any of us—we all have a worldview, and everything in our worldview flows out of what we think about the nature of ultimate reality and, and deity and so forth like that. So um, and so really, you're going to see that this concept has implications for everything else we talk about in the series. It's got to be the starting point, because God is really ultimately the starting point. Yeah, in fact, in our Sistheo series, we, which we just finished on the podcast, and you can find it at PursueGod.org slash Sistheo, we started with this. We started with God. In fact, we spent a few a few lessons talking about God, the nature of God, God's revelation, how how God speaks to us, what God is like, and and so again, if you want to really take a deep dive on the biblical perspective, what Christians believe about God, check out our Sistheo lessons one, two, and three. But but for today, we're going to see what Mormons believe about God. And Ross, the first thing might surprise some Christians to hear this, because again, I think a lot of Christians don't really fully understand what Mormons believe. Probably many Christians think Mormons might be Christians, right? Yeah, just another group, maybe a little obscure, a little bit uh, you know, different, but generally a, a typical Christian group is that's how a lot of people think of, of Mormons. In fact, now Mormons even will say now that they're a denomination, a Christian denomination. Right. They never used to say that, but in the in recent years I've heard them say that. I, I took a tour at the temple, the Salt Lake Temple, and, and they actually had that in their speech, in mm -hmm. their spiel at the temple, which is really surprising to hear. But, but I think what we're going to, what you're going to see as you go through this series over these next five weeks is well, you can make your you make up your mind for yourself, but I think you're going to see that Mormons are not Orthodox Christians, and and here's the first reason: because mm -hmm. number one, they believe that God the Father has not always been God. Yeah, and that's a, that's kind of a surprising thing, but but the idea is that they believe that that God the Father as a being has always existed, but not but he has not always been God. And we'll talk about the second point kind of explores with the implications of that. But what, what we're saying is that in LDS worldview, there was a time when he was not God, when he actually was once a, hu a man, a human being, that he's the same kind of species we are. So Joseph Smith said this. This is uh, from one of his most famous sermons. Joseph Smith gave this funeral address, and he says, God himself was once as we are now. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for certainty 
the character of God, that he was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the Father of us all, dwelt on an earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did. And that, that was uh, summarized by an, a later prophet of Mormonism who simply said uh, this famous saying, he said, as man now is, God once was. Yeah, I'm going to say that again, because people need to, if you're listening to this drive-in, you need to really wrap your mind around this. The, this, is, this really summarizes the belief. Again, ask, ask your Mormon friends if they believe this. Ask them to explain this, because they may or may not understand this or b- fully believe it, but, but here's a statement. As man now is, God once was, right? So in other words, as Joseph said, the Father dwelt on the earth just like Jesus did. This is, this again, this is not a biblical teaching. Right. This is a Mormon teaching that the Father was once a man, a human. Right, and the, one of the implications of that is that in, in LDS cosmology, their understanding of, of reality, again, God the Father, by whatever name he was known back in the day, before he was God, that he existed as a personal being, but, um, but so if he's eternal as a, hum, as a personal being, Time, energy, matter, all of the whole universe, Mormons view that as also being eternal. And so, because God the Father was not always God, he existed within the framework of existing uh, matter, energy, and cosmos. So that means he did not create everything. He did not create everything that exists. He, he, he organized the existing materials into the world that we live in now, but he did not... He did not create something out of nothing. The something was already there, just as he was already there. And part of becoming a god was for him to learn how to uh, manage the raw materials of the universe. Okay, so so who put the something there before God the Father? That's a mystery, Hmm. Mormons will say. We just don't know much about the past. We don't know anything much about God the Father's original existence before he became deified, and so they'll typically just defer to um, avoid speculation. Now, some like to speculate, but on the whole, they'll say, well, we just don't really know. It always existed. But I guess my, my thought would be, so was there a God before? Did God the Father have a God? Yeah, that would be the, uh, the second implication of this, yeah. is that, yeah, yes, he did. There was a God who nurtured or under whose authority he grew and developed and was righteous and met all the qualifications of deification. And then that God before him had a God. So you call him grandfather God and great grandfather mm-hmm. God. And it goes it goes back in an unbroken chain uh, backwards into infinity. It's an e- it's an eternal regress. Okay, now let's just hold on a second because we're this this is I'm sure some people are some Christians are listening to this who thought that that Mormons are just Christians, and their their heads are probably spinning already. I and mean, we just got started. We've got we've got four more lessons to do. We got three more points for today, and four more lessons after this. This does not sound, Russ. This does not sound biblical. No, it's not. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see this throughout the series that the uh, the apparent similarities between Mormonism and traditional biblical Christianity are fairly superficial. The differences are deep at the level of worldview, and this is one of them. So biblically, the Bible tells us that God has always been God. 
that there was never a time when he wasn't God. There was a never, there was never a time he didn't exist in some other form. Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. And so long, long time before anything else ever existed, God was God. Uh, one translation says, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, there was as far back as you can imagine into the past, as far forward as you can go in your, you know, in, into the future, not just that he was a, a being or a person, but he was actually God from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and really even before the beginning, right? Because right. like you like you mentioned, that bib, the biblical, again, if you want to list, learn more about a biblical perspective on God and his nature, is God, nobody created God, God is the mm-hmm. creator, right. right? Ultimate creator. Yeah. God, God existed before anything existed, right? and so he is the eternal source of all things. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the biblical answer to this. Right, which at a worldview level is a huge distinction. Right between uh, Mormonism and Christianity. Okay, so number two, and, and this is sort of kind of keeps diving a little bit deeper on this Mormon understanding of God. So number one is that God the Father has not always been God. So then number two, that God the Father is an exalted man. What do, what do Mormons believe by that, this idea of being an exalted man? Yeah, this this is a kind of a it goes together with point one because if God was not always God, then what was He? Well, and the and the LDS answer to that is He's a human being that at one point in time was just like us, um, and that He had an opportunity to become exalted. To, the word exalted in Mormonism means to be divine, to become God. So He was a human being. So the idea is. Is sometimes Mormons have leaders have said that God is of the same species as us, that God is not a different other kind of being. He's the same kind of being that we are. But deity or divinity in, in Mormon thinking, then as a result, is not a matter of a different class or type of, of beinghood or existence. It's only a more it, it's more like um, a status or a standing rather than a, a, a category of being. And so God, a human being, at one point in time, he, he, has, he was able to um, it, progress toward to become deity. He was a mortal human being. He didn't stay in his mortal human state, but he progressed to become God. Yeah, more from that same Joseph Smith quote, Ross, that you shared earlier, he also said this, that... God himself was once as we are now, and is an exalted man, and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. And, you know, just to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert here, really the, the idea, the idea is that just as God the Father used to be a man and became a God, Jesus is a man who became a God, and so you too can, right? So there's this idea of the biblical concept, we'll talk about this later in a, in a later lesson, the biblical concept of eternal progression, right? right. Yep. Which is part of the problem. First of all, it's a problem biblically. It's a problem that Mormons would believe this about God, because it's just not biblical. We'll get into that. Yeah. But, but the implication is also a problem 
that therefore we all can become gods ourselves. Right, and we'll talk about that a, a little in a minute, but we'll also talk about it in depth later on when we talk about the nature of humanity and what the Bible really teaches about human beings mm -hmm. vis-a-vis God. And so, again, the Bible um, addresses this in a number of places, but one in particular where it reveals that God is not human. He's not the same kind of species as us. He's not just one of us farther along in the game, um, you know, the Bible teaches that, that God has never been a man. He's just not human. So, for example, one passage, Numbers 23, verse 19. Um, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. So it's saying here, God, does, God doesn't have the failings that human beings have. He's not going to lie. He's not going to change his mind like human beings do. He's not fallen or, or limited like us. The reason is not just because he's so highly evolved that he's gotten over those human frailties or, char or character problems, but the, but the issue really is he's not human at all. He's not the same kind of being that we are. Now, Ross, would the average, if you're grabbing a Mormon off the streets and saying, look, do you, do you really believe that God is an exalted man? Would they say, oh yeah, sure, that's what we teach? Or would they be like, oh, I'm not really sure? Like how central... I guess how front of mind is this for the average Mormon? Yeah, it's there. It, it, I don't, unless they're a, a fairly recent convert into Mormonism from another faith tradition or from none, they might they might not really be fully aware of this teaching. But um, you know, people have been in the church for some time, were raised in the in the LDS Church or whatever. Th this would not be a surprise, and it would be a surprise to me to meet someone who disavowed it. Hmm. Okay, so you, you bring up a good point. What about, I know there are a lot of people who are, who are sort of nominal Christian, and they, be, they join the Mormon church because missionaries come or whatever, mm -hmm. and, and they think that they're in a, they think that they're in a denominational church. They think they're just like in a Methodist church or a Baptist church, which just happens to be Mormon. At, at what point would they come across something like this? Yeah, it would be alluded to in um, various ways. It would be in, they would. I think they would come across it in some of the curriculum for the men's priesthood meeting, mm -hmm. the women's auxiliaries meet. They certainly would come across it in the temple if they got, you know, became uh, loyal and worthy enough to attend the temple. And in would, the hymnody, there's some there's right. references to this in the in the Mormon hymns that they sing a uh, week in and week out. Yeah, and I I. I it's just really interesting to think about because I think an, uh, a nominal Christian might come across this and say, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was true about God. Now, I think a stronger, a, a Bible-believing, a Bible-reading Christian, I think, would right away throw a flag at this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But I would say a nominal Christian, a cultural Christian, mm -hmm. might come across this and say, oh, I didn't know that's, I didn't know that's what the Bible said. Yeah. About God, yeah, but it isn't. It isn't what the Bible it says. It isn't what the Bible said. says about God. Yeah, God is different than than man. He's completely transcendent over human beings. Yes. One one writer, an LDS writer, a prominent writer, said that Mormonism collapses the distance mm. between God and man, and you can see that here. Right. The Bible expands the distance between God and human beings. Uh, Mormonism collapses it by just saying, "Hey, he's just like." you know, a better version of us. Okay, so number one, God the Father has not always been God, according to Mormons. God the Father has not always been God. 
Number two, Mormons believe that God the Father is an exalted man. And number three, and this, this speaks to the, the, the way God the Father exists currently, right? Mm-hmm. Number three, God the Father has a physical body of flesh and bone. Still, that God the Father has a physical body of flesh and bone. Right, it, so it, it's a corollary. If he's a, if he's a human being, then essential to being human is, you know, our physical bodily existence. And, um, you know, so the idea is that they're going to say uh, for human beings to be made in the image of God in Genesis chapter 1 means that we physically look like God. That means God has two arms, two legs, a head sitting on top of a neck, you know, the whole thing. Um, in fact, one of the training manuals that they have, they, they use this manual to teach new investigators or new uh, followers of Mormonism. It's called Gospel Principles, and you can find it on, the, on their website. But he says this, speaking of God the Father, His eternal spirit is housed in a tangible body of flesh and bones. And so it makes sense, they would think that if God is a human being, that He'd have the same kind of, you know, equipment and arrangement that we would. Okay, so why is that a problem? Well, the Bible uh, doesn't, doesn't teach that. That's the, that is, that's the problem. So, again, LDS people will refer to this idea of image of God. We understand the image of God differently than that, which we explore in other places. Um, the LDS people would also look at the um, statements in the Old Testament that talk about physical features of God. We call them anthropomorphisms, where God is presented in the, in the form of human beings, because like the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are, are ranging throughout the land, or that God's arm is strong and mighty to save, and so forth. So, But we would look at those as being metaphorical statements that help us understand something about the nature of God in the only kind of language that we understand as human beings. And so there's plenty of other metaphorical statements in the Old Testament that describe God as having like a, like a bird with wings, like a, like a blast furnace. And we say, well, are you saying literally that God is, does not have wings, or does he have wings? Or, so you kind of can't, can't have it both ways. Mm. And the reason that we take those metaphorically is because Jesus gave a clear teaching in the New Testament um, about the nature of God in John 4, verse 24, without going into the, all the context there, Jesus simply said, for God is spirit. That's the, the familiar, he says those who, uh, he's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. But Jesus says, for God is spirit. By definition, spirit is non-material. Um, it doesn't say God has a spirit, that's how the Mormons like to read this verse. God, of course, God has a spirit just like we do, and his spirit is housed in his body. But Jesus says God is spirit, and um, in fact, in the context of John chapter 4, he makes that argument because he wants the, the uh, woman at the well has says, says, hey, there's a right geographical, physical location to worship God, mm. and you say it's here, and we say it's here. And Jesus says, well, ultimately, time is coming where the physical, geographical thing doesn't matter anymore because God is spirit. In other words, God is not bound by physical, geographical mm-hmm. constraints. So he doesn't say God has a spirit, and so by definition that means he's not embodied, and so that's why we understand all the rest of the statements in the Bible as being metaphorical or anthropomorphic. In fact, Jeremiah twenty three twenty four 
says, God says, I am, am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? So again, back to he, he's not bound right. by a one place at one time. He's not physically bound. He's not, he does, God does not have a physical body of flesh and bone, according to scripture, but Mormons believe that he does. Right. Okay, so before we move on, Ross, what about, what about Jesus? Okay, now we're talking about God the Father, but it, I do think it's interesting that Jesus, right, that G, the resurrected Christ had a body. Right. So let's just touch on that real quick so that yeah. people don't get confused. No, that's a great point. It's a, important to clarify. Jesus is fully God. He is also permanently embodied now from this point on. But what's it, what the difference is in the two worldviews is that in, in the Mormon worldview... Jesus existed as a spirit being first, mm-hmm. as, and then he had to gain a body in order to, to be exalted. And so it was, he, he, so he, he came into this human body, and, but it was always, uh, they, they think of Jesus as always having been human, basically, not becoming human, mm-hmm. not, not a, in, a divine uh, transcendent being who became human mm-hmm. in, in, in the Incarnation. And so the whole way of understanding the birth of Jesus is, is different depending on these two worldviews. So yeah, Jesus identified himself with humanity in order to save us, um, and that involved becoming embodied, and so he is embodied, and he's resurrected from the dead in a physical body. But um, God the Father was never embodied because he never became human. Right. Yeah, that's good. Again, if you want to learn more about... What Mormons or what Christians believe about Jesus, about God, you can find that at, in our Sistheo series. But Ross, I think we should close this time by talking about something that's technically not about God; it's about humans. But I think it's important, and we'll t- we'll touch more on this later in a later lesson. But I think it's really important for us to touch on this now because we already did a little bit that this idea that God has not always been God. Mormons believe that God has not always been God, that he's an, that he is an exalted man. Really, Mormons believe then that human beings can become like God is now. Right. It's just the corollary. It's the flip side of the same coin, right? right. Um, so in that, you know, Joseph Smith referred to it in his, that speech that we referred to a minute ago, and also the the Lorenzo Snow couplet, it's called. We quoted part of that before, as man now is, God once was. But he goes on to say the second part, he says, as God now is, man may be, or may become, is how some people have phrased it. So if God was once a man who became God, it makes sense that others... In fact, and this is a key teaching of uh, Mormonism about, about their plan of salvation, at the heart of the plan of salvation is that God wants us to become like Him, and we'll talk about that in another session. But it, it's not just that we can become like God uh, and become deified, but it's the ultimate goal is to become like God um, in, in every way that He's God now. They say that we can become God just like that. So so that what that means is the way He is God now is He, he, is, he is sovereign over a planet, Right, or over even over, over a, a universe. Nobody knows. Yeah. It could be a solar system. It could even be a universe. But he's sovereign over a a corner of the universe or a corner of reality. And so Mormons Mormons believe then that human beings can can do that, can become a god of a corner, another corner of reality. Yeah, absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, now, now, we'll uh, touch on that because we're going to talk about what Mormons believe about eternity. And, yeah, yeah. And it's all linked together because it is, it's yeah. one worldview. Right. Yeah. So but again, I, I'm just I'm, I'm tr- putting myself in the shoes of a Christian who's listening to this, who thought that Mormons are Christians, right. essentially. Right. That is so far afield. That is so out there. That if I if I were listening to this and and didn't really understand Mormonism, I'd be like, I can't believe Mormons really believe that. That is so not biblical. That's so not right. I can't believe it. Right. So would the average Mormon say, yes, I believe that human beings can become like God is now? Yeah, yeah. The most of them would. I've I've heard some disavow that. Um, for various reasons, but I think the most of them would. In fact, this is one of the things that. Again, I've talked to many LDS people who go like, "This is a this is a grand vision of humanity that's very appealing. Mm. That there's more. There's something more that we can kind of like this eternal cosmic evolution of human beings." Now, you know, the, the LDS people think it's biblical. Um, there, there's not much in Scripture that would would lean that way, but there's a couple things that could be interpreted that way if you already have this world with this worldview in right. mind. And based on, um, and so, like in Second Peter, it talks about how God has um, gives us the opportunity to share in His to share in His glory. Um, well, we would understand that to to share in like a transferred sense, mm. in like like um, you know we would we would bask in the glow, so to speak, or it would spill over in some way. But Mormons believe that that means to actually become. Like he is, and so in the historically in the Eastern Orthodox Church in the early centuries of Christianity, the some of the writers used a term called theosis, and they defined that as becoming like God. Uh, what they but they didn't mean what Mormons mean like that. Mm. They they never meant that we could cross the the divide of being to become a different form of being. Um, but what they meant was that um, we're being we're being conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, like it talks about in Romans chapter eight, and that more and more that we that we are able to more and more partake of through sanctification process, we're more and more able to partake of um, attributes of God that are possible to be shared by human beings. So we can become more loving. We can become uh, more generous. We can become um, you know we can we can care about the things that God cares about increasingly and become increasingly more righteous and so forth. Um, that's what the early Christian writers meant by theosis, and mm. become more like God within boundaries, within a limit. And where Mormons say, no, we become more like God without that boundary, without that limit that makes us distinct from God. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, if you're a Mormon listening to this, I I hope you would really consider how God feels about this, because the Bible is so clear on this point. To me, Ross, this is this is an this is a doctrine that I think is so it's so dangerous, it's so unbiblical, it's it's so heretical. And again, I don't I don't mean I don't say those I don't use those words lightly because I have Mormon yeah, yeah. friends and I love my Mormon friends. But the idea, Ross, let's close this podcast speaking to our Mormon friends. The idea that you could possibly believe that you could become a god is 
bla- is blasphemy. It's, it's utter blasphemy. Because there's only one God. Scripture says there's only one God, and you are not him, and you will never be him. Right. It does, it does, it does it diminish, I think, the uniqueness and glory of the one real God. And so, you know, in fact, the Bible does condemn. I mean, here's an interesting uh, passage in Isaiah chapter 14, where the prophet Isaiah, there, there's this king who thought he could become like God. And Isaiah the prophet condemned him in the strongest terms because he didn't maintain this important distinction between creature and creator. So Isaiah 14, he quotes the king saying, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. And then the prophet's response, instead you'll be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. And so I say, man, you, you really, the hubris and arrogance to say that I could become like God. You know, and, and you know, as a footnote, this is what uh, Satan tempted Adam and Eve with in the Garden of Eden, right? right? In Genesis chapter 3, he says, you can be like gods, knowing good and evil. And so um, this whole theme biblically is like, we, we need to know our place as creatures, and it's a good place. There's nothing demeaning about being a creature of the living God, mm-hmm. uh, but it is an insult to the glory of God and the uniqueness of God to somehow treat him as if um, he's not just the one being who is really, really God. Yeah, when you read Revelation, the picture you have of heaven is God at the center of the throne, and we're all worshiping him. We're not worshiping him temporarily. Right. We're worship all the redeemed, all the creatures, all the angels, all the heavenly hosts. We're all, we're all surrounding the center. The picture at the center is God. It's not us. It's not right. a person. Right, and if you extrapolate that in the LDS worldview, then it would, you would say, oh, there must be a, a future um, condition where I could be the one on that throne. In the center. And in the center, and all of these myriads of created beings are worshiping me. Hmm. Well, I think, that would, I think most Mormons, if, we, if you framed it that way, they go, oh, no, that's not what I mean. But if you, if you take the logic of the system seriously, mm. then yeah, that is what it's saying, right. that, that you're going to have you know, all the uh, spirit beings that you created and your children, quote-unquote, uh, th- that they should be surrounding the throne worshiping you. Mm. Um, and that's just, when you frame it that way, you go like, oh my gosh, no way. Well, yeah, I guess, Ross, maybe cu- culturally within the Mormon church, what's the, what's the result you know, you keep talking about worldview, that this is, it's such a different worldview for a Mormon. Maybe, maybe we can speak to that for a moment. It's such a different worldview to think that God was once like me, and I could be like him someday. I, I guess growing up with that, with that kind of being beaten into me over the years, in my mind, that would make me very egotistical. Mm-hmm. That would really change the way I thought about me into a non into a very unbiblical thing. Is that is that true at some level in, in the culture of some yeah, of the words? You, you see a couple of different now I know a lot of LDS people who believe that conceptually and they're they're humble. They're kind of humbled by it actually to go like, oh I can't believe that someday I could you know, but but more often than not it has two opposite results in my experience. One is some people are crushed by it 
because they realize they can't ever like what how what 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 makes me think I could ever achieve that level of to become a god it's like well you know and, and it can be a, uh, just devastating and and crushing just kind of like crush the air out of your lungs but others um, and I've seen this more among LDS men and part of it has to do with the importance of patriarchy and priesthood that men only have priesthood in the LDS church but I, I have seen some arrogance I have seen you know this sense of uh, there's a lot of factors that that flow into that but this is at the heart of the worldview that says that you know kind of you see kind of sometimes LDS men who are acting like they're a little god right now in mm. their world mm. you know and and it's um you know, not always a not always a pretty sight now that's not all not that's not all I don't want to overgeneralize but I have seen that so Ross what would you say to a mormon who is who listened to this and maybe now they're start they're starting to question what they grew up with uh, what what what's a good next step for a mormon who Again, I hope we've done it justice here, and I hope we haven't. I hope our heart and attitude hasn't been hasn't been mean spirited toward Mormons at all. We're trying to we're trying to just expose what Mormons believe and and then ex- compare it to what the Bible teaches about it. But but I would imagine a Mormon might have some questions now in in his or her head. What would a good next step be for that person who's, who's wondering what to really believe about this? Yeah, this is a great question. Well, first of all, I think the person, LDS person who doesn't have those questions, who's pretty confident in their, in their own faith, they're going to respond to us by saying, oh, see, those guys just don't get it. Then they'll nuance it in some way. They'll, they'll uh, evade the implications, of I think, of their, of their beliefs. They go, oh, those guys, those guys just don't, they don't get it because they haven't prayed about it and gotten this... A testimony of it, but for someone who's asking questions, one thing they can do is just stick with this series throughout throughout the whole series and and think about you know everything that we say because like we said it's all linked and how this always connects with everything else. They could look at the series we did on Sistheo, um, but another very practical step would be just to open the Bible and read from the four Gospels, read about Jesus, read about and read it through the eyes of a child. In other words, set aside your predisposition, your, your, your preconceived ideas of what you're going to see, your, the worldview grid that you bring to it. Set aside that as much as you can and just read it as if it was the first time you've ever read it and just start to get acquainted with Jesus. And you'll see these some of the themes we're talking about then begin to unfold and you go, oh, that, that really is in the Bible. That, that is the biblical worldview. Oh, that's good. All right, well, if you want to learn more about what Mormons believe. You can find videos, you can find these podcasts, you can find discussion questions to talk about this with your family, with a friend, with a mentor one-on-one. You can find it all at pursuegod.org forward slash Mormonism. And then make sure to join us next Tuesday because we're going to talk about what Mormons believe about Scripture. So we started with God, which is very fundamental, but where do we learn about God? We learn from Scripture. And so next time we're going to talk about Mormonism and what they mean by scriptures and how that differs from biblical Christianity. So join us then. Until then, God bless. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite 
podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.